Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody to another fun and exciting week as we dive further into the world of games. And this week we are going to be showcasing something that has been in the background of all of our games since, I mean, the beginning of creation of games. <laughs> we are going to be discussing architecture in video games. Now, this is something that is not heavily focused on when we discuss video games. There's a lot of discussion on plot mechanics, the playability, right? The frame rate, all those things get focused on. But the idea of the architecture specifically seems to always fade into the background. No pun intended, right? The architecture is always just in the background. <laughs> so, but it's it has such incredible importance to a video game in which it can help boost the theme. It can help create that immersion that someone is looking for, and it can be used by level designers to enhance the overall feeling of their game. And I really think that it's something that needs to be focused on more. There really isn't a lot of writing on it. I mean, there is a, a wonderful textbook that was written uh, it's called the uh, architectural approach to level design and it's fantastic uh, they just came out with a second edition a couple of years ago but it's actually being used in colleges and being studied and uh, utilized that way because it's a very interesting idea in which we have so many people who want to become architects uh, but they might not have enough jobs out there for them so why not work in a virtual environment Right. So we'll discuss some Smart. of those. Yeah, we'll discuss some of those prospects a little bit later in the episode itself. But I'm curious. So prior to actually really trying to dive into this episode here, right? How much thought did you actually give to the architecture of a world? Or did you just look around in a world and go, oh, that's really pretty, right? Oh, God. Um as someone who's always been a really big fan of architecture to the point where that should be my profession because I'm so intrigued and like fascinated by it. Like I think when it comes to games, I'm always been a person that I want to see the town. I want to see how they made it. Like, you know, like every mm -hmm. game I've played and this is why I used to love Japanese RPGs is that, you know, at least like the old era where it's like you'd see the town, you'd walk through and you're like, how did they design this? Like, what did they take inspiration from? And it's like, it always, even from like a younger age, I always kind of wondered like, did they get this from an idea somewhere else in like our world? Like, I've always had that in the back of my mind, at least when it comes to like, towns buildings um when it comes to say like the architecture of land like landscapes and stuff sometimes um i feel like as i've gotten older it's something i've learned to enjoy more but before yeah you know you'd see like a vista or you know you would slide down the sand and journey and be like oh that's cool mm -hmm. 
it totally goes over my head and, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't really think about how like innovative that is or how much work went into it. Or but you see, um, like real aqueducts there that are crumbled, right? Like you just kind of like, <laughs> Oh yeah, neat. <laughs> but you know, it's something I can look at now and be like, man, but it, I think the thing in the back of my mind is I never think about how hard it must be to create that realism in it because mm-hmm. I don't know, you look, I feel like cause I play so many games, it almost starts to be like a blur with a lot of games. Like they're like, Oh, it's just a unity asset. Like they just plugged in this building, blah, blah, blah. You know, they fill it in or, you know, it's their own asset. And not much is done to it. So it's like my brain is so used to just thinking that way that when I do see a game that has some like some kind of structure that stands out and actually looks like how a house would be in person, I take a step back and I'm like, whoa, like this feels real. You know, it's not just four walls and this really low poly rug you know like it it looks real but um i think it's definitely something in time that i've i really learned to enjoy and understand but what about you yeah i was always under the idea of like oh that was just really pretty you know and Mm -hmm. it, it was like oh that's a great backdrop it never really stood out to me of the materials that were used in the buildings themselves, do they match the area around them? Like there are certain games where you look and it's like, okay, that's a major jump, right? Where you have this hard, like large metal structure in a barren wasteland. And then I, I never really thought of the infrastructure of actually making that thing happen there. It just always kind of looked out of place or mm-hmm. it created a sense of this, uh, like kind of bizarre and surrealistic idea, which I think is probably what the designer's intent was in the past to do something like that, right? Like a large metal structure in a barren wasteland, you get start to wonder why is that there? How did it get mm-hmm. there, right? So it does create some intrigue, but it's not grounded in reality. And I think you can really tell, like especially after doing research of it, I, I definitely have a much bigger appreciation for architecture and games and i'm really starting to kind of analyze each game that i've played a little bit more or the games i'm currently playing and just looking at the structures themselves because it's really interesting to see that like if you can tell that oh that brick must have been made there right like for instance with journey you'll look at the the stones the stones are all within the same earth tones that the sands are so you know that that stuff was created there. It wasn't just imposed onto this backdrop for contrast purposes, right? It's not like giant white structures in a sand desert where it's like this monolith idea, right? Like there's there's some grounding there, some some at least a appreciation of the resources available. And I think that's where there's a big difference between the idea of a level designer and an architect that is working on level design, right? Uh, and actually, mm-hmm. uh, I listened to a podcast that Christopher Button, or Potton was on. He's the one who wrote the architectural approach to uh, level design. And he brought up this idea very briefly that architects and level designers are taught to think very differently. So when you go to school for level design or game design in general, which I did, so I can speak to this, 
Uh, you are just trying to get a player from point A to point B. Uh, and you're trying to sell a story, but there isn't a lot of focus on the idea of how the environment does so. The main focus is how do you get someone from here to there, right? And that's basically the main driving force. Whereas, and with that, you can then kind of create any kind of environment that you want. It doesn't have to make complete sense. And the, you don't have to worry about cost or efficiency or any of those things or how are you gathering resources. You just make something that looks cool, that gathers or gets the player's attention and gets them from point A to point B. That's really the, uh, the entire purpose of level design and environmental design as far as being taught in schools now. Whenever you look at how an architect is taught, they have a lot of focus on cost of materials and how those resources actually impact the environment around them and what kind of flow, what is the purpose of this building, what is the actual intent, how is it going to interact with what's around it, right? Like there's a lot of extra thought processes that go through uh, an architect's mind and they're taught to study architect from the past, right, to see how those buildings interacted with the worlds around them. What kind of cultural effects did those buildings have or environmental effects or power, right? All of those different things. Whereas a level designer doesn't have to think about those things. And they don't have to think about if I put a power plant next to a, you know, a, a suburb, what's going to happen? It, it, that just doesn't work in a real world situation. And an architect would look at that. And if you say you want a suburb and a power plant, they would know to create some separation there because you would have too many citizens that would be upset with by living next to a power plant. Or there would be some sort of facades that would be created if it needs to be up close to them, right? At like neighboring streets, there would be some sort of facades on the outside to alleviate some of the stressors on the the people living there so i think there's like little tiny details uh like that that would be that are actually incredibly interesting to think about that i would i'm pretty sure a lot of game designers and level designers don't if they if they are not uh trained in architectural studies themselves so it's a very different mindset that i'm really curious about and i want to really dive through a lot of video games and really start looking at the idea of if they put any thought behind that, right? Like is a, because a power plant's going to produce a lot of waste. So where's that waste going? How is it actually being pumped out of there, right? Like what kind of resources and cost and materials is it necessary to do so? So does that mean that that power plant is now siphoning resources from the community around them? Do you see some impoverished neighborhoods because of that? Is that right? Like, cause it, you see where I'm, where I'm going out there? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of little details that you might overlook if you're just trying to make a game and not think about the grounding of it. But it's incredibly essential to start thinking about those things because it can really help sell the theme, sell the story itself with some just extra thought put behind the placement of your building, the placement of that rock, right? Or those little alleys that go somewhere, right? Like there's something to them that just really ups the quality of a game, even if it's just an empty hallway. The fact that it's there means that like it could give the sense of something being lived in and not just feel like 
a corridor of mazes or a you know a game on uh on tracks right a game on rails where you just go from one room to the next you really create that sense of this is a lived in space and just gives that much more weight behind and adds to the immersion for the player overall which i think is very interesting and intriguing i think back to a lot of older games because that's you know i I feel like I have a lot of memories of them recently, and I'm thinking back to some that might have like thought about like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where it, you would place something that would just make sense rather than placing it there for the sake of you know it being a game and increases the the interactiveness of the story and I feel like I can remember some games way back then thinking like logically mm-hmm. about the design, but of course it was limited back then. So you couldn't really like, you know, I don't want to say waste resources on making things really realistic, but it was more so just there just wasn't really possible. Like a lot of times I think, a lot of people realize like, oh, is this going to make the game too big? Or is this added resources that just would take more time away from us doing something that matters more? Or, like I was thinking about that player, when we were... Right? That, that's a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, that, but I feel like, you know, I think about, say you have like a factory and there's a river nearby. And, you know, it would make sense that there'd be a runoff that kind of goes into the water and all that kind of stuff. But if you're like a small team, why would you want to make that attention to detail when you could, say, create a new side quest for the area or something Mm -hmm. that like creates more interactivity rather than like eye candy where someone will be like, might not even say, oh, that's nice, but it'll just be like there, you know, like some people love the immersion and feeling like it's like really there and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people just kind of look right past it. Mm-hmm. And that's was something in the back of my mind for this episode was like all these like games that do a really good uh, way of showing attention to their details how many people really look at things and be like, oh, that makes sense. Or, right. yeah, that that seems like it would be there. And I think as resources are becoming easier and people are able to create more realistic things, I think we're starting to see it as well as, you know, actual, like, architects or, you know city designers or any anything in that kind of field are getting more into you know game design and stuff i think we're starting to see it more mm-hmm. and you know i'm glad like i i love that kind of realism and uh but yeah it, it's interesting like i never really thought about it before where it's like how you see like a power plant next to like a town right you know like yeah some places have that but it's like how often Mm -hmm. or how realistically are they portraying it where it 
does not damage the neighboring area, you know? Right, right. And I think you kind of found the the little detail there in what you just said that is also an issue with focusing too heavily on the architecture of a video game, right? And that is the overall fun factor of a game. And mm-hmm. like you said, like you can, I feel like uh, it, you kind of, mm, let's see, you can definitely go down a very slippery slope as far as going too far into the details of the architecture and just making an open world that's completely empty, right? That's something that we see constantly. Whereas, you know, having a game that has plenty of side quests that forces the player to explore certain areas of interest that might have been fleshed out more does make more sense as far as like being uh, more uh, focused on the resources that are available to the game itself. So you're not just flooding it full of just a bunch of crap and then the game's too big to download on anything and it runs like crap on everything, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. there's some merit to that but i i just really wish that people would focus a little bit more on these little details so that designers would put more into them and i think they are right a lot of people really do like finding things in games i think that's a kind of an exciting aspect where like if you can go around in an open world area like imagine the first time someone went under a waterfall in a video game and realized, oh crap, there's like a room here. And they were rewarded for it by finding a chest, right? Like now it's a very common trope put into most any video games that anytime I see a waterfall, I'm going to go look and see if I can walk through it, right? Like it's just Mm -hmm. a commonplace item now. But there's something to that idea of giving the players a realistic world because a river is going to have runoff right like it's going to need to lead somewhere where is that leading and i think just putting in that extra little detail that extra work will help increase the amount of polish on a game but if you're doing that and not giving the player enough to interact with then you run into the fact that people are going to say your game is boring and that's like a major nail in the coffin for your video game no one's going to play it if it's been coined boring despite how interesting the environment actually is so there's a very fine balance between this that I think is very difficult to navigate, but it's still very important and crucial as far as the design process goes. So, yeah, I don't really know. There's I don't, there's no real like good end of thought there. <laughs> it's well, it's kind of tough. I think for me, I look at when 3D really started Mm -hmm. you know like go back to like n64 playstation era or early pc and early pc is a little different because they were able to really do 3d first person a lot sooner than console but i think about how a lot of areas were obviously primitive because you know they couldn't design a whole lot right think Mm -hmm. about mario 64 stuff like that but when we get, like, say, Final Fantasy VII that has, like, all these pre-rendered landscapes, mm. you know, I think that's really when I started seeing, like, attention to detail. And the part of me loves pre-rendered um, maps because I feel like they can focus on detail without having to worry about a place as interactive. And that was something I was thinking about as you were saying that is like creating that interactivity is really cool, 
but at the same time, it also limits other details. You know, like think about how going back to that drain pipe, right? In a game like Dishonored, where if that's the way to sneak into a factory rather than going through a wall or through the front door, you know, players are going to go to it. But otherwise, it's just a piece, but it's still like using resources. Whereas like a 3D like rendered background, I feel like it almost creates this like wonder, right? Like I, my mind always go back to Final Fantasy VII because Midgard just looked so insane yeah for the era the time and the architecture worked right it's a floating city that sucks energy out of the planet and it just the environment everything about it worked so well that the details were all there and it's interesting playing the final fantasy 7 remake And while it's cool being able to walk through this city and like realistic graphics, I almost feel like it's lost a lot of that detail Mm. in a weird way, right? Like there's some things that feel more detailed, right? With the night sky, even though it's just lights on the plate above you, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know. There's something like good and bad about it. But the thing that I loved is like, you know, you look at the limitations of the old game, right? You couldn't look up this game. You can look up and it looks like a night sky or, you know, there was these really detailed structures in the background as you're going through like the playground or um, the slums. And now you can kind of go through it in person and see it close up. and I think that's really cool. And I feel like maybe it's easier in those kind of games. I feel like the genre that would have the hardest time with creating these realistic designs, even though it seems like it would be the perfect one, would be open world games. Mm-hmm. You know, because going back to resources and time and then having people on your team that knows how to make it feel like it would make sense. Like it's be almost a burden, right? Like think about GTA five. And even though it's basically LA, people could critique that and be like, "Hmm, well, this doesn't seem right. But at the same time, it just works. You know, it's, it's hard to find that line of like, how realistic should we get? Or how what's good is good, right? You know, without going too far, and that that's something I've been trying to think about right now. Is like it'd be cool to have something super realistic, but at the same time, like, would we really notice it? Mm. Unless that's like the focal point, you know? Right. That's a really good point. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, I think, is a wonderful example of that because we get to see both versions of that game right now. And the I think the big thing about the older Final Fantasy VII, the original, is that with those pre-rendered backgrounds, our mind was able to create those stories. We saw that bustling city and we were able to create that wonder, that excitement of the city is alive. And it... I. 
I always imagined it as an oil, like a, you know, like an oil platform out in the ocean. And I feel like they got a lot of inspiration from that. And that's why things are very like narrow and tall and things like that for the buildings. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the remake, I didn't re- really get that. And I think just kind of going up, being able to walk through the streets freely did kind of take away from that idea of it being like the slums and broken down and like you can't really traverse everywhere because it's dangerous in certain point, right? Like it doesn't feel that like it has that same weight. It's still a gorgeous game and it's still really amazing to be able to finally walk through that world. But there was something to those pre-rendered backgrounds that you get to interject just your little bit of yourself into those games because there's that little bit of mystery, right? It's not given to you. All the details aren't there. Whereas in these new 3D fully rendered games that are gorgeous to look at, there is no mystery. You can go mm-hmm. up to any building and be like, ooh, what's that? Like in, in the back of your mind, like it, back in the day on PlayStation era, you would look at a building and it could be, oh, maybe this looks like a place that people live in. It could be a hotel, right? It looks kind of lively. There's some broken windows. I'm kind of curious, like, is it kind of like, is does it match the rest of the scene, right? Like, there's all those little details that you can put in. But then now you look and it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a, it's just an empty house. Like, nobody's there, right? Because they, you can't put that much resources into it to really tell that whole background story that as a child, our minds were making subconsciously. So I think that's kind of where the mystery dies out, unfortunately. I mean, it is still really fun to be able to go through those worlds, though. Well, another thing that I was thinking about is that, you know, think about those older games where it was more drawn out rather than having to create a 3D model. I feel like it's easier to create those landscapes and images because they don't have to create that 3D model. And think about games nowadays, right? Like places that have 3D settings. Do you feel immersed even if it's not ultra realistic graphics? Mm. For me, you know, I think about cell shading and how even if a game has really good cell shading, I'll still be immersed in the environment because at least I feel like I'm in a cartoon. Right. May not feel like I'm in the real world, but if everything is, you know, looking like it would in real life, it'll just make me feel like a cartoon. Mm -hmm. And I look at, say, look at Fortnite, right? You go into a house, eh, it looks normal. But, like, with those graphics, do you feel like you're actually, like, I don't know, like, it... I guess this goes more into like how immersed you get in those kind of environments. But I feel like those more like drawn early pre-rendered backgrounds made more sense because you would just whatever was missing there, you would just imagine it. Mm -hmm. Whereas you have a room full of 3D assets. You don't really you see everything there, but your mind doesn't really wonder like anything else about it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But yeah, I mean, all the answers are there. There is no questions. You know what that building is. You know where this road leads. You know where all those things go, right? So it's just natural to not have those questions anymore, which I think is unfortunate, right? That that was part of the mystique and the 
like the charm of those older games. And I think why they hold so much weight in our mind still is because of that, that charm that we were able to interject ourselves with just asking those simple questions. Now, I mean, I would say one game that might kind of counteract or contradict what we're saying right now is potentially Assassin's Creed, right? Mm. As far as the architecture in Assassin's Creed goes, it is phenomenal, like regardless if you enjoy the games or not, right? And I have fallen off the Assassin's Creed games, not going to lie, because I can't do any more fetch quests. I just I'm I'm tired of those. I don't want to do any more races. I get it. Right. Like, it's fun. Uh, But the actual architecture and the building of the cities is pretty impressive. And it's not just the architecture of the buildings themselves. It's the people, the AI that's roaming around it and how they seem to cultivate two points of interest, which you would in a real world situation. If you have a giant plaza that is in the center of town, a lot of people are going to gravitate towards that plaza as a meeting point in some point in their day, right? So it's Mm -hmm. really cool to see that and actually being able to develop a whole city that way. And I think that's another really important thing to take away from this as well is that with a lot of architects becoming game designers, or it seems like they're starting to go more virtual now, Architects don't usually design an entire city at once. They usually just design a building, so they have to think about the impact of that one building on the architecture that's already surrounding it. They should take that into consideration. Some don't, right? So like, you go across a a town that has a bunch of old ranch-style cottage homes or things like that, and then out of nowhere, there's a super extremely modern house (laughs) that just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. (laughs) Like That does happen, but... What's interesting here is you can actually see an architect or a designer's full intent from the ground up as far as how each building is going to interact with one another, how each uh, like borough is going to interact with each other, where are the meeting points, where are the points of interest. And in Assassin's Creed, you can almost like just sit there and follow the AI and wherever they're going, they're probably going to a mon- main hub area, which I think is pretty interesting. And what's really cool about Assassin's Creed, I would say, is that um, the one of the lead architectural consultants of Assassin's Creed 2 specifically uh, was Maria Alicia Navarro, who actually uh, is a, a full-blown architect. <laughs> and she, she was uh, getting her PhD in architecture while working on Assassin's Creed 2. So they actually got a real architect to do this game to help make it more immersive and create that environment around them. And this seems to be a very common thing that's happening because of COVID. So COVID did something really, I mean, it did a lot to this world, right? It really was pretty horrible uh, what it did, but it did also make people more creative in the way that they use the tools and talents that they have. So with architecture kind of grounding to a halt because of the supply chain Uh, And it's still, I mean, the supply chain's still not there, right? But it doesn't mean that these architects can't build in a virtual environment. So there are a lot of architects that went from actually designing real buildings to then designing video games themselves. So we're starting to see this uh, importance and this focus on a lot of the newer games that are coming out, which I think is really fascinating. And there's a lot of architects out there who are using things like VR 
as amazing tools for uh, showcasing architecture and being able to pitch a building and allow the investors to actually walk through and live in these buildings without them being built or having to worry about the resources or the cost to make these things happen. Now, one of another architect that actually um, became a game designer after or during COVID, uh, not after COVID, but during COVID, was uh, Jose Sanchez. So Jose Sanchez developed a game. Uh, he's an LA-based architect. He developed the game Blockhood. And uh, Blockhood is a kind of like a city sim builder, uh, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that's one of the big things and uh, big issues, I would say, that his game might be getting from the community itself is that people are looking at it as a, another SimCity or another city building game when it's really a lot more than that. He came from a architecture background. He has his master's in architect architecture. And he wanted to create a project. So it's actually called the Plethora Project. Uh, and the game that came from it was Blockhood, where he wanted to really focus on the idea of sustainability. And what does that look like here? And he took a lot of inspiration from some of the buildings that are starting to pop up in like Chicago, where it's the um, the buildings that are gardens, right? So it's a multi-tiered garden building that has living spaces in it as well. So that technically that building could be self-sustainable. It could potentially supply enough food and water for the inhabitants of that one building. So he wanted to create a game in which designers can then try and figure that stuff out. And what I find really interesting about it is that while you're not incredibly limited by resources as far as costs and things like that, you are limited by space. So the only way to go is up. And there is no right or wrong way to play this game. You can make an entire forest if you want to. Uh, that's one of the great things about it, I would say, is that he gives the players the ability to just make a forest for animals to thrive in. Or if you don't want to build a forest at all, you can just make a building itself and just make it really industrial and create so much pollution that, you know, nobody in the building is happy, but whatever, it's self-sufficient, right? Or I would say probably the best way to play this game is to find that happy medium. So you find a way to create a forested area and a building and that have them uh, living together, uh, like uh, cohabitating well with one another and adding to that, the sustainability of both, right? So your building isn't creating too much waste, but maybe that waste is now flourishing the garden around, which that garden will then produce food for the inhabitants, right? Like, so there's a lot of thought that's actually put into this game. Uh, like, for instance, if you put in a, let's say, like a water facility in there, like a, a water facility room, one of the uh, the waste products of it is gray water, which is a very natural thing. It happens all the time, right? Think about if anybody has a washing machine or has ever dealed or dealt with one, the water that gets dumped out of that is considered gray water or just any waste water that's not poop, basically, is called gray water, Right. Uh, so like your sink, whenever that water gets flushed out, that's gray water, right? And I remember moving back to San Diego and my father was, he was really big into, you know, farming and growing plants, um, some plants not legal to grow, whatever, but they are now uh, <laughs> at the time. And he would actually use the gray water runoff to water those plants 
and man, did they flourish. They did amazingly. And it really kind of blew me away that that water that we consider as quote unquote waste was so beneficial for plants and fish and things like that. Like they were able to really thrive off of the, some of the minerals and nutrients that came out of that, which was really surprising. It just, it was really cool to see. But what's great about this game is that you actually can use that gray water to then supply the farms that you have in your building to make it that much more self-sufficient and self-sustaining. So it's a really exciting project to see. And I'm really excited to see where this can go. And I, I want to see some really cool builds. And if this inspires any real world buildings out there, because uh, it has the potential to do so. That I mean, that's the whole reason for the project, as um, Jose has mentioned in an interview that I, I listened of his. The goal was to make this like a prototyping engine where you can go in and actually test things without having to physically waste any materials or resources on it and see if it has any meaning or merit. So it is really, really cool. Uh, and I like to see that that how architecture is being intertwined into game design itself. That's really smart. I actually didn't think about that, like utilizing it so you don't have to waste materials, you know? Like I know... That's something that people have been kind of doing, but not like on a grander scale, I guess. Um, I can't. I Ever since you brought it up, it's been stuck in the back of my mind. But going back to Assassin's Creed, I'm like thinking. They always did such an amazing job making it feel like you really were in those time pieces. Mm. Right. Like as if. Like, you know, they really studied the area, the time, everything. And it's like, maybe that's, maybe that's another episode we'll go to is historically like accurate architecture landscapes. Cause yeah. I've always been so curious, like about games that portray a time period so well, you know, and cause y you would think it'd be easy, right? Like you look at old pictures old paintings boom easy you even look at you know you look at europe the old buildings easy you can reconstruct that but the ones that get that but also make it seem like someone would just would actually live there rather than just creating a beautiful set piece it's it's fascinating and like you said assassin's creed i've played quite a lot of them pretty sick of them now but there's one thing i love doing is just walking in the cities because the amount of detail that goes into these buildings it it's amazing mm -hmm. you know it's to me that's the one thing i look really forward to in those games and i wish more games that tried to capture us like especially if it's like capturing us like a style during a a time period paid that much attention to detail but i also figured it, that takes a lot of damn work yeah. you know it's you know i think about uh like pentiment um the amount of detail that went into the infrastructure the buildings everything it may not seem like much when you look at it but i uh was reading interviews and stuff and they tried to keep it as realistic as they could with how people lived and the environment, how 
buildings were created and all that kind of stuff. And it's fascinating, especially when designers go through history books and try to learn how things were made back then and try to envision a structure being built that way or how people live in those structures. And to me, it's just fascinating, you know, because we're never going to be able to live in an environment like that. So being able to do it in a game and feel that immersion is just amazing. And I think kind of circling back to what you just said, it's like being able to create these structures pieces anything and not have to waste resources right like you can create this building make it feel real and just you know virtually stand there and be like wow like this is how it felt it's cool you know to an extent with the way the world is with inflation resources like being more scarce like it's it's a nice feature making it realistic enough where we don't have to create something like physically like that. Like it may feel different virtually, but it's better than nothing. You know, it's better than looking at an image in the book and being like, hmm, wonder how it feels. Right. Whereas like at least virtually you can kind of do a 360 and be like, oh, wow, I'm in it. You know, it's, until we get smell a vision. But yeah. <laughs> something that has been brought up in the past for what, like 30 years now and made fun of. Well, <laughs> they apparently have made something for VR where oh, God. it's like a virtual scent. So I'm guessing, like, if, say, someone makes a game, you put on this little mask and it'll, like, create the scent. Gosh, <laughs> which I'm wondering, I'm like, how do you create all these different smells? It has to be like a, a set amount of smells, right? For a game. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know. It, that's always fascinating me. Bring back scratch and sniffs, though, please. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, like we mentioned a lot in this episode, architecture is incredibly important to game design itself. And we definitely think that it is an area that needs to be brought up more when talking about things like game reviews, even. Uh, it's such a central focus and is able to push the theme to help level designers guide the players through their creations to really create that immersion for the players. It's it's in everything. It is incredibly essential. It can really make or break a, a you know a player's experience. If you're in an environment that just doesn't make any sense, sometimes you kind of check out for a little bit until it starts making sense again. And if it never does, well, you might've just lost a player there, right? So I think it's really essential for designers and game designers themselves to start really thinking like architects or it doesn't hurt to take a couple classes or just do some research yourself uh, and really figure out how to make these places feel lived in, how to really make them immersive and really sell that idea that you're trying to give the player but yeah anyway 
Uh, we're definitely going to be continuing this conversation on architecture in future episodes. This is something that we are both incredibly passionate about, and there's a lot to dive into here. Uh, there's a lot of different areas and avenues we can explore with this topic, so we're very excited to continue on this conversation with you guys. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week, and we will talk to you next week with the next set of games and wonderful ideas that come from them. But until then, bye for now. Thank you.